Welcome to the Psych Central Podcast, where each episode features guest experts discussing psychology and mental health in everyday, plain language. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Podcast. And today, I will be talking to Hasu Joe, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the clinical support lead for our sponsor, BetterHelp.com. She's here today to talk a little bit about online therapy and specifically their latest offering, TeenCounseling.com. Hasu, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, it's always a pleasure when you can hang out with me. I've been fascinated with online therapy for a long time. And one of the primary reasons is because in mental health, I realized that depending on where you live in America, your options can be very limited. I'm I'm very fortunate to live in a big city, so I sort of have my pick of therapists and counselors. But if you live in a more rural area, it sort of gets a little sticky, both in terms of who you can choose and, and maybe your privacy options. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you have found to be a big advantage of online therapy? Yes, absolutely. Um, We have plenty of people signing up that say very similar things, whether they're in rural communities or they're just in tight-knit communities where everybody knows each other. Um, We also have healthcare professionals signing up saying that it's hard to find someone in their local community because they know all the other professionals because they are peers in their workplace. So there's a lot of different situations and hopefully we've been able to provide some kind of option for those sticky situations. It it sounds like privacy is really key to this, that that a lot of people are really describing that it's more private for them to get the therapy and support that they need versus the more traditional, you know, drive, park, walk in, go to an appointment. Yeah, I think uh, for many people, it can feel that way. You don't need to be seen anywhere per se, access the services from the comfort of your own home or wherever it is that you have a solid internet connection. And I think a lot of people still, as much as we'd like to help destigmatize the idea of getting mental health help, I think there are still a lot of people in today's society and our local cultures and all that, that, you know, may not want other people to know that this is something that they're involved in. Um, When you're having struggles with your mental health, it can feel very isolating and personal to you, and you want to figure that stuff out on your own first before the interventions of the people that care about you or people that might not have your best interest in mind. The discreet nature, private venue that we are able to provide is something that's appealing for a lot of people. And also, as I talked about a moment ago, you, you have to, you know, the traditional model is you have to drive there, you have to walk in, you have to make the appointment. So it's much more time consuming. And I also know that the traditional model is generally, you know, once a week, once every other week at a specific time. Mm-hmm. With the online model, it's more frequent, right? It's not one hour every other week. It's a few minutes every day, or it can be. It looks, can you sort of talk about that a little bit? It can be, right? So You know, we have thousands of providers in our network at this point, and they are coming from every state in the United States. They're all licensed here in the U.S., and many licenses per each state are represented on the platform. You know, we have a lot of professionals coming to join us that have most of their, if not all of their experience offline, so they very much are aware of and used to these more traditional models of how we're going to connect with our clients. Like you said, typically that's once a week, 50 minutes or so, but Even then, it's more than 50 minutes a week commitment with the driving and the parking and everything that you just mentioned. On the online model, uh, here at BetterHelp, we give a lot of autonomy to the independent providers to coordinate their schedules with their clients. So what we are finding, actually, is that counselors are having a really 
diverse kind of way of communicating with their clients. So a counselor may have 20 clients and it could be that half of these clients do engage very regularly in weekly live sessions that feels kind of like that traditional model. And in between those live sessions, they're supplementing it with messaging back and forth. And then you also have many subscribers signing up for these services that are not looking to have live sessions on a regular basis. So they're communicating with the counselor pretty frequently, but through messaging. And that's not in real time, but it's more kind of like an email. I send a message to you this morning. I might get a response from my counselor in a couple of hours. And then we go back and forth that way. And then a lot of counselors are doing a combination of that messaging and live sessions. And so there's like a whole bunch of different ways that you can find yourself figuring out what's going to work best between you and your counselor. And BetterHelp's been around for a while now. This isn't something that just cropped up overnight. This is an offering that's been around for a long time. I'd like to think that, yes, I, uh, BetterHelp started in 2013. But to my understanding, the, I, the concept of telehealth, you know, helping professionals, providing their services, not face-to-face, but over some kind of technology platform. I think that's been around for far longer than that. I'm really glad that you brought that up because, you know, a lot of people hear things like online therapy and there's a sort of this knee-jerk reaction to say, no, 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 it's never been done that way before. Mm -hmm. But until you do something, it's never been done that way before. And (laughs) the online therapy is not really, as you said, it's sort of the natural progression of telehealth, which has been around for a lot longer. And again, it's had a dramatic impact on rural areas or people who just cannot get to medical therapy, mm-hmm. etc. We've done another show all about online therapy, and we'll link that show in the show notes of this show so you can learn a whole lot more. We just sort of wanted to establish a baseline of what online therapy is. And up until recently, this has really been aimed at adults, the, mm-hmm. the busy adult professional or the adult who was looking for privacy. But now you're sort of gearing a section towards teens, and you've discovered that there's some differences in how you reach out to teenagers versus how you reach out to adults. Can you talk about that for a moment? So, you know, as you mentioned, we did start with adults and the nature of therapy and getting any kind of medical treatment at all. So some kind of care for a physical ailment or in our case, a mental or emotional Um, challenge or struggle that you may be facing in your life. There are a lot of laws in place in the U.S. to protect people, right? So these laws will make it so that if you're going to enter into this kind of relationship with a healthcare provider, you need to provide your consent. As a legal adult, you're consenting for your own treatment. When you're a minor and you're under the care of a parent who is typically your legal guardian, and if not your parent, whoever it is that has that legal guardianship over you, they are the ones that provide consent for you to enter some kind of healthcare treatment, right? So we wanted to make sure we were doing this right. And so that's why we started with adults. We found a lot of success. And now we're working to bring this form of counseling to the younger age group. And we find a lot of differences in the ways that teenagers will communicate versus adults. So obviously, with with several years of experience working with adults, you probably got that model down pretty good. But we know that there's differences, as you said, between adults and teenagers. Mm-hmm. How are you handling some of those differences? For one thing, in my mind at least, teenagers are probably much more adept at technology. Mm-hmm. They're probably much more willing to do things like face-to-face. And, you know, they can fire off a text with one thumb while half asleep. And, and I'm still <laughs> using full sentences with, with complete grammar and punctuation. So what have you found, not from a therapy level, but from just a 
comfortable with technology level when it comes to teenage clients versus adults clients? Well, you know, a lot of the people that are signing up for BetterHelp, so our adult clients, they are typically more tech savvy than somebody that's not signing up or not choosing to do a lot of the things that they do in life online. But as you mentioned, a lot of teens today, they grew up in a world where technology was there when they were born. And so I think a lot of the features and the things that are offered on the platform feel more natural. It's easier for them to navigate sometimes. In terms of technology, I don't think there actually is a huge difference between what I've observed with the teens and the adults that are using these services. Since if you're an adult looking for online counseling, you're probably spending a lot of your time online already. That's a very fair point. You know, I just I, I think to myself that all of these adults that are using online counseling are my dad. <laughs> uh, but you're right. He he probably wouldn't gravitate toward an online system because he's less comfortable with technology. Yeah, we have a lot of adults signing up that aren't super comfortable with technology. And so they'll actually email us and we have a support team that's here to help people and walk them through how some of these technology features work. Um, But we also find it's not really the best option for all people. And when you say it's not the best option for all people, do people sign up, try it, realize it's not the best option? And I I know that if you go to betterhelp.com slash psychcentral, you can try it for a week absolutely free. Exactly. And we want to be able to provide exploration process for people that aren't really sure if this is something that's going to work for them. So that's why we like to partner with people and give out free trials so that someone can sign up for a week, test it out, see if they like it. And if they're not into it, then yes, they can absolutely cancel during that free trial and we'll go our separate ways. And our hope is that you now have some tools in your bag to go look for services that are going to feel more appropriate for you. Everybody hold on. We're going to listen to a message from Hesu Joe's employer and our sponsor, BetterHelp.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face session. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash psych central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. Betterhelp.com forward slash psych central. And we're back speaking with Hesu Joe about teencounseling.com. I love your your online counseling, mm-hmm. but but now I'm a parent and I'm I'm thinking about my daughter and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. do I want her on this platform? Am I more comfortable with the traditional model? What would you say to me as I'm sort of contemplating this decision of uh, should I allow my my mm-hmm. 15-year-old daughter to go online to receive services? You know, this is new and I want to make sure that I'm being a good dad. So what would you say to me to sort of help me? So interested parents, curious parents, intrigued parents, they can check out teencounseling.com and they can get started. So the way that these accounts work is that a parent is the one that does sign up first and a parent can get their account set up and get connected with a counselor and even communicate with the counselor before ever inviting their teen into the account. And so in that way, the parent can sign up first, get a lot of their questions answered, talk to this counselor, um, ask the professional about what their experience is like, what their expertises are on, um, look into the credentialing of this professional. So parents have opportunities to vet these people that they're going to possibly introduce to their kid. And understandably, parents want to make sure that their kids are safe and talking to 
um, reliable people online. And so parents have that opportunity to sign up first. And if they find that they don't think it's going to be a good fit for their family, they don't have to continue. It's the same kind of thing. And so if parents are interested, they should just check out teencounseling.com. There are FAQ sections that are geared towards the parents, but there's also an FAQ section for the team themselves if they wanted to do some research on their own also. And then they're always welcome to contact us if they have any further questions that they find that they can't get answered through the website. I think the part that really kind of puts me at ease and that I didn't realize until you just said it is this is parent-driven. It, it's a partnership between parents and Mm -hmm. child. It's not sort of the wild, wild west where you just create an account for your teenage daughter and hope for the best. Correct. And, you know, every every counselor is going to have their own approach, their own way of conceptualizing a case, looking at their teenage client in the context of this kid's family. But I think any of us that have worked with adolescents will agree that a lot of things going on with this kid's identity, any concerns that are coming up, their behaviors in the context of social situations and relationships with people, a lot of that stuff very much starts at home. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense all the time to engage into therapeutic relationship with a kid and not involve the parent because the parent very much is in that kid's life. So the way that the teen counseling accounts work is that a parent will sign up um, and then they can invite their teen at any time. And then at that point, the parent and the teen now have their own respective login information. So they can each log in with their own email addresses and they have their own private space. So they're both connected with the counselor, but the counselor has opportunities to speak with the parent and opportunities to speak with the teen. But what the parent messages with the counselor is not visible to the teen and vice versa. What the counselor and the teen are communicating about the uh, written message is not visible to the parent. Now, when and if they would like to have joint sessions where the teen and the parent are together, um, those live sessions can be scheduled and coordinated with the counselor. And it's just an understanding that they're both going to be at the same location at the same time. And that will allow the counselor to have this joint session for both the parent and the kid. I like what you said about the teenager, the child will have their own personal space and the parent will have their own personal space mm -hmm. with the counselor having access to both. So when the parent has questions, they can ask the counselor, but the, yes. the counselor will sort of be the arbiter of information and, and make sure that everybody feels comfortable, but yes. they're not printing a transcript and saying, this is what your child said. Right. Absolutely. And in general, when therapists are working with adolescents, that is a huge theme that comes up most of the time, if not all of the time, is a kid needs to feel comfortable that their parents not going to know every small little detail about their life. This is, I think, a universal thing that we've all experienced as teens ourselves. There's just some stuff that you don't want your parents to know, and there could be a million reasons for that. And so with the counseling, counseling the team does have their private space. And therapists that are working with adolescents have this experience of knowing that they need to respect the privacy of this client. Even if the client is a kid, um, the kid is still a human. And so privacy will be respected. And usually there's a conversation to be had with the parent that I will communicate with you when I feel that there is a need for you to know something. Um, for example, if somebody might be in imminent danger or if I feel like somebody is in harm's way, those are the things I'll absolutely let you know about. But ultimately, to help with your teen's progress through therapy, they need to feel like this is a safe, comfortable space and that I'm not going to be a messenger of what they're talking about directly to you. And now I'm speaking in first person because I also work with teens. For me, it's like there's going to be times where I think we should all be talking so that we're all on the same page, but that's not going to be most of the time since right now we're here for your kids. 
And it's important to understand that that's how it works in the quote-unquote traditional model. You know, if you go to the traditional therapist, you know, you're in the office. Usually parent mm -hmm. and child go in together. They sort of talk about the issues. Then the parents leave. They talk to the child. Then the child leaves. The parents come in and there's this constant back and forth as needed, etc. Mm -hmm. So the model just translated online exactly the same way. It's not like the child loses some of that privacy or the parents lose some of that understanding or connection. It just literally transfers right online in the same way. So for people who aren't familiar with therapy, they might not realize that it really is the exact same model. Yes, very, very similar. And in fact, I think it's even more convenient for parents because when I work with teens in an office setting, you know, I'm with this minor, and so it's really important for me that I'm not left alone with them in a building because I'm not their caregiver. And so for me personally, and you know, every counselor, like I said, is going to have their own approach. When I have teenage clients, I require for their parents to wait in the waiting room for the entirety of the session. And that's just a safety precaution. I need to make sure that this kid's parent is around in the event that something happens. With teencounseling.com and these accounts, now a parent doesn't necessarily need to be waiting in a waiting room an hour every week to know comfortably and safely that their kid is getting services from a provider and the parent is just a message away if the counselor does need to reach them. But all in all, I think the model is very similar to what I've experienced offline in that there's a way for both of them to be involved. And there's also avenues that are provided to have the safe, private conversations with the parent or with the teen. I really like what you kind of alluded to where you were like, you know, the, the parent is waiting in the waiting room for the safety, but it also means that the parent is waiting in the waiting room. So the, the child, the teenager, the person knows that mom and dad is what a wall away. So that might make them think, you know, hey, I can't say whatever I want because what if it turns out poorly? What if I don't like it? What if mom and dad over here, they're right there. And I think it's an interesting concept because you know, the best time of day for a child to open up is probably not the best time of day for a parent to open up. Uh, you know, maybe a child, you know, wants to share more at night when parents just want to relax and go to bed mm -hmm. or, or whatever that is. And often when teenagers are getting help, they're on their parents' schedule because they're the ride. Mm -hmm. This does allow mm -hmm. everybody to be the most comfortable and feel the most safe. You need to be comfortable in therapy to really get to the root of whatever the issue is. Yeah, and a lot of times it is those deepest and darkest secrets that are making it hard for you to function. And it can be very scary to reveal those deep and dark things to people that really care about us or people that we may fear may have some kind of judgment about that. Yeah, so therapy can be scary for a variety of reasons. And I think that's just because some of the scariest things in the world are internalized. They're within us. So yeah, I, I like this idea of creating safe space creating access. Um, you mentioned sometimes this barrier of scheduling is absolutely a thing. Sometimes the kid is free as a bird, but they can't get to your office. So hopefully we've been able to alleviate some of those challenges. Let's talk about some more practical things for a moment. Because, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking about is, you know, my, my child with metered data. How does it work on online therapy? I, I mean, is it pay per message, pay per hour? What are sort of the safeguards in place to make sure that everybody gets what they need, uh, including not a gigantic bill? Mm -hmm. That's a very, very good question. So on teen counseling, 
For those of the listeners that are not familiar with the way that BetterHelp works and how our adult clients are paying for their services there, the payment structure is very similar on teen counseling. So we are a subscription-based model, meaning a person paying for this account is going to enter the payment details. They're going to select a subscription plan period, so weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever it is that they decide upon. And then this flat fee that does not change is going to renew on that monthly basis or whatever it is that you've decided upon. And in that flat fee is included all the interactions that are going to happen during that month. And so no matter how many live sessions a teen is able to have with their counselor, no matter how many messages go back and forth between them, that flat fee remains the same. Um, And so the parent on the account is the one that enters payment details and only the parent is able to edit things in the billing settings. So the accounts on the parent end and on the teen end do look a little bit different because the teen doesn't have as much of the admin access into that account. That makes perfect sense to me. Hesu, thank you so much for answering all of my questions. I, it's exciting to see where the world is going and what we're able to achieve with technology. And, and I'm glad to know that it's making things better. Is there anything else that you would like to let us know about teencounseling.com? Sure. Um, This isn't too much of an operational thing. It's just coming from a personal space because working with teens, adolescents is near and dear to me. And I've worked with teens offline in office settings, in school settings, in clinic settings for many years before I found myself in this online therapy world. And what I found is with my teenage clients, a lot of times they take a little bit longer to open up, to warm up to you. And a lot of the times it's because they're not there completely out of their own volition right? An adult client has made this choice for themselves that they're going to walk in and get help. Typically for a kid, a parent or a teacher or some kind of administrator at school has recognized that they're having an issue. And it's usually an adult that's driving this process saying, I think you need help. You're going to be put in this place, whether you want to go or not. So in the office setting, in these clinic settings, face-to-face, teens are going to be a little bit more guarded, reserved a lot of the time. And another thing is that you know, when you're an adolescent, when you're growing up, you're still learning how to regulate your emotions. I think most adults are still doing that too, actually. <laughs> but as a teen, um, even developmentally, physiologically, your brain isn't fully developed. And I think with all these challenges in terms of regulating emotion and being able to articulate any kind of internal process, it gets really hard to try to get deep verbally with someone that you don't know, someone that you might feel is just going to relay all this stuff back to your mom. On the online format, what I have found and am pleasantly surprised by and I appreciate every day is this is the way that a lot of teens are communicating with each other is through text message. They have more time to think about what they want to say. They're not as put on the spot and it's not as much about emotion regulation while trying to verbally articulate some kind of challenging experience for them. They get to text. They get to send a message, take their time with it and communicate the way that they have grown up doing all along with all their friends and their peers. Um, And so with teen counseling, I think there's a lot to be explored still and a lot to be had for kids that are struggling with something in a venue that's familiar to them and that feels safe to them. It doesn't feel like they're being stuck in a room by force. Right. Yeah. It's an app on their phone that they can open whenever they want. And it can kind of feel like that as a child who went to therapy 
with my parents, I I imagine it's much easier to make the child comfortable when they can sort of ease into it over a few weeks. Because I know with parents' busy schedule, mm -hmm. they're like, look, we're here from three to four. You must get everything out from three to four. And then we'll mm -hmm. be back in two weeks from three to four. And you will get the rest out then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're not in the mood, you're not in the mood. And especially if your parents are very busy, which all of us are, mm -hmm. uh, if they're very worried, which in general, when you're seeking, you know, medical treatment of any kind, there's usually some concern or worry. And, you know, the, these mm -hmm. things cost money. Parents are worried about wasting money, as, as they should be in general. I think a lot of those concerns are alleviated with this other option. And that's what it is, right? It's just another option. Nobody is saying that you, you have to use this option over that option. You have to make the right decision for you and your family and the right decision for the person seeking mm -hmm. treatment. And this is one of those options. Yes. And it's really nothing more or nothing less, right? Yeah. And I think for the busy parent, the busy family, the busy kid, just having options is a good thing because sometimes it feels like even though that there are options out there, they might not feel like those options are available to them for a variety of reasons. So yeah, I guess I like that there is this other option for people to explore. That's wonderful. Hasu, thank you so much. One, thank you to BetterHelp.com for sponsoring the podcast. It really has allowed us to get a lot of great information into the hands of people who really appreciate it and really need it. So we're, of course, very thankful for your support. And we also like to be uh, transparent about that. You know, BetterHelp.com is a sponsor of the Psych Central podcast, and, and we appreciate that as well. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Obviously, you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere, just by visiting BetterHelp.com slash Psych Central. And wherever you download this podcast, if you would give us as many stars as humanly possible, use your words and write us a review, share us on social media, email us, send us around, burn it onto a CD and play it for your grandma. Whatever it takes to get mental health information into the hands of people that need it, we would appreciate it. And we will see everybody next week. You've been listening to the Psych Central Podcast. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com show or on your favorite podcast player. To learn more about our host, Gabe Howard, please visit his website at gabehoward.com. PsychCentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website run by mental health professionals. Overseen by Dr. John Grohall, PsychCentral.com offers trusted resources and quizzes to help answer your questions about mental health, personality, psychotherapy, and more. Please visit us today at PsychCentral.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email show at psychcentral.com. Thank you for listening, and please share widely. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.